Revelation chapter 8 is where you should be as we get into God's Word, and we have 30 minutes left, 32 minutes to study God's Word, so that should be just perfect time to take some notes. There's Revelation journals on my left and right. There's note cards in your front backs of your chair, so you can take notes as well. I'm going to say a quick prayer, and I'm going to read all of chapter 8. We're going to study all of chapter 8, even if we have to make the 11 a.m. service wait. We're going to do it. Would you pray with me real quick? Father, in Jesus' name now, we're going to read your word and study it. And I pray that it would do for us what it can only do. It would renew our minds, transform our hearts, illuminate our paths, that it would be a shield for us, that it would be armor, Lord, that it would be food, that it would be pleasing, that it would be life-changing. I pray for every man here and every woman here, that they wouldn't just go to a church service, Lord, in Jesus' name, and then leave the same. But like James says, they would read the word and be doers, not hearers only. Would you anoint us to be doers, to be different? We didn't come here to pat ourselves on the back and pretend we're doing good. We came here because we know that there's so much more to do. We came here to applaud you, to worship you, to study you. And now in Jesus' name, would you help us to do that, Lord, as we read your word and study it together. We ask all this in Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 8. I almost said Romans chapter 8, and I'd actually rather be in Romans chapter 8, but we're in Revelation chapter 8. This is what it says. This is right in the middle of the tribulation period, the wrath of God being poured out on a God-forsaking, Christ-rejecting, sinful world. And God is looking at his kids who have been rebelling against him and have been pushing him away. And listen, with patience and love and purpose, he now meters out discipline and correction. You ever had to discipline your kids before? If you're like me, you, you don't like to discipline your kids. You don't like it when they're in trouble. First of all, you're bummed and disappointed for them in the situation they've got themselves into. And now you have to walk through that disciplinary process. But if you're a good mom or a good dad and a thorough parent, you're going to walk them through and you're going to make it a teachable moment. As God pours out his wrath on a God-forsaken, Christ-rejecting, sinful world, he's correcting the world and giving, listen, listen, giving the world an opportunity to tap out, to repent, to apologize, and to get saved from the beginning of the tribulation to the very end. The Bible says that God has and takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, that he doesn't like it when one sheep wanders away, that he doesn't look at the nations that rage and plot in vain and despise them. Instead, he listens to the prayers of the saints and he sends judgment to them. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that judgment and discipline is not pleasurable during the process. Can I get an amen from somebody? But in the end, the fruit is righteousness and peace. God knows what he's doing. Now, you who are believers here, okay, just somebody listen up. God loves you. Loves you right where you're at, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. He's gonna call you on your stuff. He loves you. He wants you to repent today. We're going to take communion at the end of the service. And you who are already believers, man, you're not off the hook, man. You're saved. Go into heaven by grace. But that grace is teaching you, Titus chapter 2, to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. You're like me. You're saved, and that's not going to change. But every once in a while, you have to take a walk to the woodshed. And the Lord says, I love you, Luke. I want more from you. I want more for you. Let's go just like I do to my kids. I want them to be the best they can be. So Christians today, God wants you to grow nearer to him. You who are not believers, okay, you're skeptics or whatever the case may be or you're, you're weighing the evidence still today. Someone invited you to church and you're not quite sure. Listen, God would call you 
to his grace, to his protective love, to be saved, to be protected and to be perfected. So as we study now a future portion of scripture, most of the Bible details what God has done, what God's people have gone through. We're in a portion now that is detailing what God's going to do, okay? And what God's people and the people of earth are going to have to go through. So uh, buckle in, put your helmets on, here we go. It says, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I believe this silence is indicative of a few things. We don't really know why it became silent. Up until this point, heaven has been very noisy. Angels screaming, people worshiping, thunder clapping, voices making sounds, all kinds of hailing and trumpeting and sounds. And all of a sudden, Even the projector fans would have shut off by now. Like, silence, man. Nothing. And I believe it's for a few reasons. Number one, I believe that we'll see next the prayers of the saints are added to the incense of God, mingled with fire, and brought to his throne. And he's listening to the prayers for thousands of years. Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. Amen. Have you ever prayed that prayer before? And then you looked up, and you looked at the traffic on Highway 101? your prayer wasn't answered. It didn't work. You know, there's not heaven here, man. It's all messed up. Well, that prayer went into God's inbox, and he one day will bring heaven on earth. Maybe you prayed for more serious things. Maybe a health issue or a loved one. Maybe a marriage that was breaking apart. You prayed and prayed and prayed. Maybe an injustice in your community. Lord, let there be justice here. And all of a sudden, you're like, that's the opposite of justice. That was horrible. And maybe there was a silence before the answer to your prayers. Maybe actually you've prayed. Maybe you're here today and you've prayed a bunch in your life. You've prayed and prayed and all you ever get from God is silence. That's what it feels like. I need you to grasp this. God knows what he's doing. And with tears in his eyes, he walks with people through the valley of the shadow of death. He wept with Mary and Martha when they didn't answer his prayers. Their brother Lazarus died. He knows. And there's gonna be a day where that silence will turn into action. That what you've prayed for then there's enough people here today where you've prayed for good things to happen in Jesus' name, and you looked up, and there was death. You, this, see, this, this thing called Christianity, it's a wild ride. And one of the things we do is we live by faith, not by sight. And we trust the Lord. I remember one time my wife was pregnant, and she began to miscarry. And we prayed hard. We prayed, we got people praying, we prayed, we prayed. And that baby died. And I remember some well-meaning Christian came up to my wife and said, well, if you guys would have prayed harder. Are you? Did you just say that? Are you for real? And they were caught up in some weird thinking at that time. And, and it was hard for us. You know what we did, though? We cried. We cried and we worshiped. Job chapter 1 says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Okay. Two months to the day later, Noah Freshet was conceived. Okay, and now I got Noah. He was turned 12 yesterday. Remember, remember last year? Remember last, last week he turned 12 yesterday. You guys saying happy birthday to him? We still have him. He's right here. <laughs> and I had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death trusting God and saying, well, I don't know, man. I'm pretty sure we've been praying for this and this is a good thing. And now I got Noah. And see, faith. Faith is forgetting all I trust him. That's the acronym. I just, I got to trust the Lord. And sometimes you get silence, and at one point, though, the Lord says, I'm going to answer those prayers. And if you've been waiting, can I just say, don't give up. Trust the Lord. Keep praying. And yet, if those prayers have not been answered the way you wanted them to be answered, 
Okay? Give it a couple months. Give it a couple years. Give it to the Lord over and over again. Give it to him. Give it to him. Because the bottom line is either God's good or God isn't. That's just the, that's the two choices. The world's messed up, is it not? It's tough. It's difficult. There is disease. There is death. There is chaos. By the way, that's why the Lord gives us chapter 8. He's coming back to redeem the planet. And he listens. There's silence. I believe this is also not just because he's listening to the prayers of the people, but because judgment is coming. And this is that breathable moment where the angels look at one another. And Jesus pops the seventh seal. And the title deed is opened up. And in order to buy back the planet, to redeem it, it must be judged and purged and cleansed. And when people see the depth of that purging, they know judgment is coming. This is the calm before the storm. 30 seconds of silence. This would be deafening, wouldn't it? It'd be like driving with your wife. And you say something dumb. You done this before, husbands? And all of a sudden it goes silent. And you know judgment is coming. <laughs> it's a scary time. <laughs> oh. oh, no. Verse 2. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. We don't know who these seven angels are. There's a specific group, maybe archangels. Other extracurricular books of the Bible talk about archangels, the book of Enoch and the a book of Adam, two books that didn't make the canonization of scriptures because they were too outside the box, but they list them by name. But we only know of three named angels, Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. These are seven angels, maybe Gabriel and Michael and their homies, but there's special angels. Verse three, and then another angel having a golden censer, okay, that's a golden pot with chains on it that he would carry. He came and he stood before the altar, that's where the sacrifices were made, and he was giving much incense, that's indicative of flavor and aroma to God, and he would offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. This angel now steps forward. There's eight angels in play, seven trumpeteers, and they're watching this angel. I believe this is happening in silence, and I believe this eighth angel takes the incense, which is from the Lord. It's his offering. It's his addition. It's what he brings to your prayers, because the Lord has to spice up your prayers from time to time. Or the Lord has to cover your prayers. Or in those days, incense was used to cover things, odors. They didn't have proper hygiene. They would they put incense in places to make it better. And if you're honest, like you pray a prayer, like, hey, Lord, but you know what? Just kind of cover it. You do whatever you want. And the Lord takes his incense. Because maybe you pray the wrong prayers sometimes. You ever prayed the wrong prayers? The Bible says, pray for your enemies. I pray for my enemies that they get arrested, you know. And the Lord says, I'm going to go ahead and spray some potpourri on that, you know. And, little glade. I'm going to clean that. I don't know. You know, he adds this in, in the fire. Fire purifies and penetrates and fire makes active. And he adds this prayer. And I would just say this about prayer. A few things. Just, man, I don't have time to develop this thought, but I need to put it out there. Write this down. There are three forms of prayer. Number one and most important, adoration. Okay. Adoration and worship. We just did it. Where you're just adoring the Lord. You're praying. You just love him. Okay, begin your prayers with adoration where you just love him. This morning when I woke up around a little after uh, five, a little before six, I was laying in bed and I just instantly started recalling as many scriptures as I could, just quoting them to the Lord. Just, Lord, I want to adore you right here in my nice, warm, snuggly bed, you know. Adore the Lord. By the way, if you don't spend time adoring the Lord in prayer, if this isn't a discipline of yours, you just go right to petition and right to supplication. We'll talk about those. If that's what you pray and you don't adore the Lord, listen, 
you're, if you don't adore the Lord, you're going to spend your time adoring lesser things. As a matter of fact, watch yourself. I pray that God would convict us this week of adoring lesser stupid things. And we'd feel dumb. What am I doing? What am I doing? Why am I adoring this stupid gadget or this stupid book of faces? Facebook is what it's called. Why am I adoring this? What, what am I getting out of this? And we'd be convicted and say, well, I'm just going to adore the Lord. Adoration, first, first and most important phase of prayer. This has to be a discipline, guys. I pray that God would convict us and make it a discipline. You have, have you adored the Lord today? No, he knows I love him. <laughs> Try that with your spouse, you know. <laughs> have, you, have you loved your spouse today? No, they know I love him. I told him a long time ago, you know. It's a, it's a done deal. Like, we figured that <laughs> Don't do it. Adore the Lord. The second thing is supplication or petition, where we ask the Lord for what we do not have, where we cast our cares upon him, knowing he cares for us. You will do more, go farther, and be stronger when you add your duties and your burdens to the Lord's to-do list. Man, there's some strong people here today, real doers. I'm going to do this with or without God's help, or I'm going to do it on my own. If it's up, if it's to be, it's up to me, and you're going to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. One of my favorite verses to quote is 2 Chronicles 16.9. The Bible says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts are loyal towards him, that he might show himself strong on your behalf. The verse goes on. In this you have done foolishly, O King Asa. See, the Lord is looking for people to do stuff for. And Asa, back in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, he decided to do it his own way, figured it out, financed it went it his own way, and it offended the Lord, okay? Petitions, supplications. Some of you are so prideful, you're like, I don't want to bother the Lord with my stuff. It's like you continually bother the Lord with your life. Trust me, you know. (laughs) Wouldn't it be awesome if you put it into prayer? Supplications, petitions. The third thing that prayer is, not just adoration, start there, otherwise your supplications and petitions will be weird. And sometimes you'll wait until all you do is supplicate and petition the Lord. I'm in, ah, help, you know. It's okay to pray those prayers of panic. The third thing is intercession, where you actually intercede for people. This is one of the greatest joys and one of the most burdensome responsibilities of a ministry person, praying for others. If you want to see change in other people's lives, pray for it. If they need help, pray for them. Pray for them. Okay, prayer. And I believe these prayers will be answered accordingly. The three main answers of prayer are yes, no, and not yet. And it may be a not yet until this day. Lord, redeem this situation. Lord, bring peace to this government, to this family, to this nation, whatever it is worldwide. You're saying, Why is there starvation and chaos? Why is it imbalanced? Just wait. God's going to balance it out. The scales will be balanced. Only question I have for you is, are you going to pray? Jesus had some disciples. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. I, do, I believe I don't know how you guys think about South Beach Church. I think about it a lot. I don't know how you guys think about our community. I think about it a lot. I love going to Fred Myers and JC Market and Walmart and Ultra Life and Starbucks and all in the same day. I love doing it, you know. I love seeing the people. You drive around, man, you just see everybody. We see everybody. It's crazy. And yet it's going to be through the power of prayer, okay, that we see this town continue to change. Continue. I say continue. I celebrate what God's doing. Let's not take it lightly. Let's not take it loosely. Pray. Jesus, his disciples asked, teach us to pray. Do you remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed such a powerful prayer that he sweat great drops of blood? Hematrodosis, where you're, you're just under such 
stress, your, your blood vessels pop. It's very rare. And yet, do you remember when Jesus was done praying, he popped up, came off the ground, did a quick burpee, and he was standing up? And the boys who'd had supposed to be praying, what were they doing? And as soon as they woke up, Jesus said, behold, your betrayer is here. What's Peter do? You know, Peter, who should have been praying, grabs his sword and starts going all kung fu on people, trying to kill them. What's Jesus do? Put your sword away, Pete. You're going to live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. Jesus was cool as a cucumber, telling Peter, stop it. Grabbing the ear, Malchus, sorry about that, this guy, he's new, you know, and he puts the ear back on Malchus, the high priest servant, you know, and heals his ear. When they said, where's Jesus? Jesus so said, I am. You guys remember that? And they all fell to the ground, the guards. Like that would have been your first cue as a guard to get a different job that day. Like, I quit, you know, I'm out of here. And Jesus was just cool. Put his hands up, let's go. How did, he, how did he walk in such peace and tranquility? Because he had just wrestled with God in prayer. He's ready to go. This, I could teach this message every Sunday for the rest of my life, by the way. Okay, just to remind you guys to pray, encourage you, help you. But I, I do pray that God would convict us deeply of the stupid things that we spend our time doing rather than adoring, rather than petitioning, and rather than interceding. And it's so easy to just pick on yourself or your family or your community everything's all wrong things are out of order and God says what have you prayed about it remember when Daniel was in Babylon Babylon wasn't a cool place to be it was the worst if you're ever going to do a hunger strike or become a weirdo or resist the government okay it's in Babylon Jeremiah 29 says you know what I want you to do Dan while you're there I want you to pray for the city that you live in for in its peace you shall have peace I want you to take wives and I want you to raise families and work a job. Make Babylon great again, you know. That's kind of funny. <laughs> Is it only funny to, to me and a few people? Okay, Any, anyways. Make it awesome. How? By praying for the place. Okay, moving on, moving on. Okay, we're moving on. You guys want to see what's going on in Revelation. Well, this angel adds these things. Let's look at verse 4. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints, that's God's part and our part, ascended before God from the angel's hand, verse 4. And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and he threw it to the earth. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. I believe these thunderings, lightnings, and noises and an earthquake were on the earth because there's no earthquaking in heaven. So he takes from this silent ceremony, this ball of fire and incense and prayers. Lord, redeem the earth. Lord, have mercy. Lord, rescue. Lord, deliver. And all those prayers have been added to his incense and his fire and his purity and this angel throws this meteorite this asteroid of fire and judgment to planet earth john's seeing this this would be an encouragement to john like throw it at the romans you know like domitian's house first and and yet god only god has the right to judge planet earth you do not he's asked us to be emissaries of love missionaries to be servants to when we're asked to go a second mile, do it. To turn the other cheek. Okay, Jesus will judge though. He will judge. In verse five, we see this hurling of this judgment coming to planet earth. This is the discipline of God. And it's in love. 
And we've all had to discipline our kids, and we've all been disciplined before. And I want to underscore in today's message. Have you noticed this, this hasn't happened yet? The judgment of planet Earth in this way. And the reason is because God is patient and long-suffering. And he wants his kids, all his kids. Do you guys know that if you're created in his image, you're his kids? Okay, redeemed and fallen. We're his kids. And he wants us to respond in a way that leads to salvation, not to condemnation. Romans chapter one says it this way. I was gonna read the entirety of a lengthy verse, but I'm just gonna read one verse. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Earth is in a state of rebellion right now. And let me just contrast that. Right now, the church is here. We're the additive that brings peace. We're the ones with the constrainer or the restrainer, the Holy Spirit in us, the salt and the light that keep the world from falling apart right now. That's your job and my job. And yet there is a rebellion amongst us, afoot. I'm always humbled and surprised that I'm not part of that rebellion anymore. Man, I used to be the leader of that rebellion. You know what I'm saying? Bad guy. I know what I can do apart from Jesus Christ. And I'm, and I'm, I'm not perfect, but I am submitted to the king. And I am serving him to the best of my ability. And it is a great joy. And there will be a time, though, where he will rescue and rapture the church of God that has not been appointed to the wrath of God. Okay? And then the wrath of God will be poured out because the world is in rebellion. Your choice today and every day is to turn from your rebellion towards submission to the Lord. That doesn't mean you know everything. doesn't mean you even like everything. But you trust the Lord. It's so, I read parts of the Bible that I don't like, okay? Can I be honest with you guys? I just, I'm like, oh, it's kind of ugly. Because I, I, I don't know it all, okay? But you know what I say? That's God's problem. That's his deal, okay? I trust him. He's good. He'll figure it out. He'll prove it. Who am I to flick my finger up at him and to thumb my nose at him and say, dude, I've been here for 41 years. I'm actually pretty smart, God, you know. Figured some stuff out, and I got an opinion. You want to hear it? <laughs> what? Have you done this before? Have you seen people with their opinions? Like, really? Wow. I'm pretty smart. And I know. It's like, who, what, who am I? See, Job and God had this conversation. Job was kind of like asking a few questions in the latter part of Job. He's like, hey, you know, what, what's going on here? His life had fallen apart. And God condescended to him and said, let me ask you a few questions, Job. Where were you when I formed the worlds? Were you there? Were you on the committee? I can't remember. <laughs> Where were you when we put the storehouses of snow within reach? Were you, were, you, were you on that team? I can't remember. And asking these questions, like, no, I wasn't there. I don't know. See, the problem is, is that in a cursed world, in a broken world, we tend to get mad at God and frustrated with God when things don't work out. But we live in a world that is decaying and it needs redemption. And so as these prayers have gone up, now they're coming back down in the answer. This is the future. So what do we do when we pray now? Keep praying. And can I invite you guys to pray specific prayers? Pray specific pointed prayers, okay, to your heavenly father about what you'd like to see on planet earth. Well, I did that and it didn't work. Okay, maybe that silence is indicative that it will happen one day. Don't give up 
being specific for your prayers. Pray for people to be saved. Pray for nations to change. Pray for things to be restored. Pray for forgiveness to happen, salvation to be given. Pray even if it hasn't happened the way you wanted it to pray. Now, what's going to happen next is cray-cray. Verse 6, it says, So the angel, the seven angels, who had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. And I believe what comes next now, just so you Bible students know, the seven seals are open. With the seven seals came the first seal judgments. The very first seal judgment was the rise of Antichrist, this political leader who would be on the scene during this time. Has there ever been a bad political leader historically that you can think of? Every generation has some. Every nation has a bat. We've seen this. So you could actually right now imagine during this time that up until the judgment of planet Earth, we're about three and a half years into it right now, that during this time, people have even missed what's going on. This isn't God's judgment. This is just bad leadership. It's just a bad government. So what's going to happen next, I believe, listen, is supernatural judgment. We're going to see stars falling, moons not giving their light. We're going to see cataclysmic cataclysmic, write it down, cataclysmic cosmic chaos happening on planet earth. Now, when I read this to you, I'm going to give you a few speculations, okay? These are probable, uh, but we don't know what's really going to happen or what John really saw. Look at verse seven. And the first angel sounded, I'm going to read two verses and then back up, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood. And they were thrown to the earth and a third of the trees were burned up and all of the grass was burned up. And then the second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. Stop right there, eyes up here. We've got the land being destroyed, third of the trees, all the grass. How many of you guys don't like landscaping? Don't like to mow your lawns? You're not gonna worry about it. <laughs> no, all the grass is gone, a third of the trees and then the oceans are poisoned and a third of the ships are destroyed because of this cosmic chaos. He says in verse eight that there's something like a great mountain, which we can speculate it wasn't a great mountain, but it was like a great mountain. What did he see? I don't know if he knew what he saw. We don't know what he saw. Something falling to planet earth, destroying the balance in the ecosystem. He saw hail and fire mingled with blood and they were thrown to the earth and the trees were burned up. Most commentators believe this is either meteors, asteroids, or atomic war, or a combination of all the above or volcanoes. I still have that volcano app on my phone. And so, man, last night there was volcanoes all over the, all night long. I thought I was getting texts from friends like, oh, no, just another volcano, just another, all night long volcanoes. We don't know what it is, but let me give you a few things that you could, you could tuck away into your mind of what he could have seen. I believe that this is a combination of supernatural destruction and judgment. Okay, that is asteroids and stars falling. Did you know that on average 18,000 meteorites hit our atmosphere every second and are burned up okay 28 million a day right now are plummeting towards planet earth all day long 18,000 per second meteorites when you see a shooting star it's actually dust particles from meteorites that have burned up into our atmosphere if you were to go to your gutter and to get some of the stones from the gutter that are from the dust there are thousands of tons of meteor dust falling to planet earth every single day now, have you ever seen the moon before? The moon looks like Swiss cheese, just pelted before. Why is that? Because the moon, unlike our earth, isn't protected from the meteor belt that we find ourselves living in. All the planets, all the meteors are colliding into each other constantly. It's actually rare for a meteorite or an asteroid to penetrate our atmosphere and to hit planet earth. But has it happened before? 
You guys seen this before? There's craters all over the place. You can actually go on YouTube later and type in meteor falls. Okay, the five top meteor falls. I was going to show it today, but it's too scary. They got people filming these meteorites in Russia and Siberia coming in in the middle of the night, just lighting the whole entire sky, all this crazy stuff. I don't know if that's what he saw or not. Meteorites coming. If a mile-wide meteorite hit an ocean, it would cause 200-foot waves, tidal waves, along the shore of every single one of those ports. If it was the Mediterranean Sea or the Atlantic, all the naval ships and all the port ships, all of them destroyed. I don't know what happened. It's supernatural. But it could also be man-made. You guys know that some of the things that he describes here could be an atomic bomb. You guys know that atomic bombs are new. When they would read these back in the 1600s, like, I don't know what's going on here, but upon the age of the 1940s and 1950s, the end of World War II, where we detonated two bombs over at Japan, Hiroshima, 135,000 people died instantly with an atomic bomb called Little Boy. Two days later, they dropped the second bomb called Fat Man. I don't know why they named it this. 40,000 people died instantly. And the world stood back and said, what have we done? You guys know that there's an agreement between all the nuclear-armed countries of the world called MAD, and it's called Mutually Agreed Destruction. All of the players that have nukes have all looked at each other and said, if we do this, we all die. So don't do it. Now, that's with normal countries. There are other countries that have within their bylaws of their religious books, the more people we kill, the better it goes for us in death. And we're laboring hard to make sure those countries... Did you know that the country with the most nukes of all is Russia? 6,500 nukes. America has 6,185. Or is it 86? I can't keep track. Where did that other nuke go? We don't know, you know. Did you know that the third nation that has the most nukes is France? With, listen, 300. Russia, 6,500. America, 6,185. France, 300. And then it goes down. The smallest of the nuclear countries that are armed is Israel, 80, 80 nukes, little old Israel just hanging out, trusting the Lord. They did some tests back in the day, and the sonic booms and the cataclysmic power and the destruction, and we know now that through what man can do combined with what God is going to do is powerful enough to change the entire world. I've got some more stats and stuff I don't have time to give. Verse 7, the first angel sounded and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood. And they were thrown to the earth. We don't know if this was all supernatural or war. We do know that when they did the testing in the Atoll Islands and they destroyed ships and islands, that the water exploded from the ocean so far into the sky that it came down in the form of hailstones, pelting the people around them. The men that were there, you can watch some of the YouTube videos, were instructed, okay, when you hear the blast, cover your eyes. How many of you guys feel that's ill-prepared? Like, and so they covered their eyes, and they said that when they covered their eyes, they could see the bones in their hands. When they were looking at their friends, they saw every bone in their skeletal system upon this blast. One test, they dug a 500-foot deep hole, and they detonated an atomic bomb, but they covered it with a 1,000-pound lid. Some guy thought that would be cool, like a Roman candle kind of deal, you know? And it shot, they filmed it, High-speed technology at the time, 1957. And they filmed the lid, and they tracked it going 125,000 miles per hour. It's the fastest man-made object in history. It disappeared. 125,000 miles per second. No, no, per hour. You guys know that God created light, and 186,000 miles per second is what God does. 
fastest thing that we've ever been able to track. Verse 8. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Hey, can I just get your attention? This is an attempt, an offering from God to planet Earth to get their attention. Just like a drowning victim frantically pulling down its rescuer would oftentimes be popped in the face to calm him down. Did you guys know that 80% of our oxygen comes from the ocean? From the plankton, the sea life, the majority of our... Everyone take a breath. Okay, now stop. And if you imagine that a third of plant life in the ocean is dead, breathing would be very difficult. If you've ever been in a wrestling match or an MMA fighter and you can't breathe anymore, you know what you do? You tap. You surrender. Look at verse 10. Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers. Now we're looking at fresh water. And on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood, or Hemlock, or Poison. Many men died from the water because it was made bitter. You who have studied through this before know that Wormwood, when translated into Russian, is the word Chernobyl. Coincidence? You decide. You guys know in 1986, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant melted down and poisoned. Still to this day, it's still a banned, quarantined area. You can't go there. You'll die. It's, it'll kill you. <laughs> Wormwood is only mentioned in the New Testament one time. It's mentioned six times in the Old Testament, literally meaning poison. Verse 12 says, Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars. So a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. This could be evidence of a nuclear winter, could be supernatural changing of the ecosystem. That whole global warming thing's not going to be a problem at this point. Temperatures will plummet. Growth will stop. By the way, as the wrath of God continues to go out in the coming chapters, we'll see that the temperature is turned up. Men will be scorched. Complete imbalance. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the Lord's going to do. Look at verse 13. And we'll end with verse 13. And I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Whoa, whoa, whoa to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Because of time, I need to invite Pastor Ryan up, and we're going to respond with communion, but I want you to consider this, believers. This angel in verse 13, there's four trumpet blasts. There's three to go, and this angel shows up, and as if it hasn't been bad enough as it is, this angel says, guys, whoa, whoa, whoa. Three woes for the three remaining trumpets, or it was the fact that he was riding a horse and it wouldn't slow down. Whoa, you know, whoa. I wasn't there. It doesn't take much imagination to look at the world and see how it could all spin out of control. Guess what, though? We're here in Lincoln County. We're here right now. We've got some foster kids to take care of and some people to reach out to. It's December 1st, and God has asked us to be those people that let our light shine. 
when this angel cries out with a warning. Whoa, 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 there's three guys. If you haven't yet repented now, do so. That's it. Today's the day of salvation. Anytime you hear the voice of the Lord, his conviction in your heart, what a beautiful day that is. You know you can change everything about your life right now today? You can change everything about it. You who've been battling stuff right now, you can change today. You can repent. You who've been battling with addiction to pornography, you can change today. You can ask for prayer. Lord, forgive me. You who've been abusing substances, you've been going down that path, you've been wrestling, you know it's not what God has for you, but you're caught in a web right now. What do you do? What do you do? Whoa, whoa. The angel of the Lord cries out to you. The Holy Spirit cries out to you. You say, I want to fight. I want to fight until I win. You have a marriage that's on the rocks, but you got 20 years behind you, and you're wondering, should we just put it, should we just let it all go? The love's not there. It's just, just let it, don't fight. Today's the day. You who are leading your families the best you can. We've got single moms here. We've got single dads here. We've got families here. Keep going. Don't give up. The Bible says that the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. His compassions fail not. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So would you close your eyes as I pray a blessing on you who are fighting, who are struggling in this broken world, awaiting the judgment of God. Yet here we are. Lord, in Jesus' name, as we come to the table now, would you have mercy on us? Have mercy on South Beach Church, Lord, the visitors that are here and the family of God that's watching online. Bless us in Jesus' name for your glory and for others' good that we would become those people who know, Lord, both the goodness of God and His severity. And if you're here this morning, you just, man, you don't know what's going on, but you need more of Jesus. You need to get saved. You need help. You need deliverance. You need something. You came here and you're desperate for him and you want to go next level. It's December 1st and you want to be a prayer person. You want to pray adoration prayers and you want to pray supplication prayers and you want to pray intercession prayers. You want to stop with the little things of this world and move into the bigger things, the eternal things. If that's you, if you've been moved at all today and you want to respond to God, I'm not looking. Would you just raise up your hand and worship to the Lord? Maybe both hands. Just say, yes, Lord, I adore you. I adore you and I want to live for you. I want my life to count. Lord, that's me. I'm going all in Jesus in your name forgive me of my sins Lord forgive me of being tired of being lazy of being weird forgive me Lord of being those things that I don't want to be Lord would you just grant power to the ones who need to be delivered in Jesus name they need to be pried out of the enemy's hands if that's you raise up your hands even higher if you need to be pried out of the enemy's hands he's got something bound around you and you need set free you need broken you need to be liberated in Jesus name Lord you see and I pray in Jesus name Lord you'd fight battles today even as we come to the table of the Lord, would you do work, Jesus? We examine ourselves, we proclaim your death, Lord, until you return. We thank you, God. We don't know, Lord, how it's all going to look in the future, but we know you do. And so we worship you today by faith. Would you bless us, Lord, as we celebrate your death, burial, and resurrection? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>